few years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome in to the Achieve Tesla podcast. Myself, Tom Hackett, alongside Trevor Allen. This week, Big P Dog is in the building. Steve is on his honeymoon. And um, I think he's in like the Caribbean or something. I think uh, he's in the Dominican Republic. Uh, I think you're right, Trev. The old Dominican <laughs> Republic is where he's at. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I know him or know where, where he's at over you, and you guys are co-hosts. That's it's not good. I I yeah, I feel really bad because uh, he sent an invite to my house to go to his wedding, and I never went because I forgot that I was driving down to St George the day of his wedding, and um, and I never told him. So I still Ouch. haven't told him. So the people that listen to this podcast are going to know why I didn't go to Steve's wedding before Steve did, which is the sort of insight that one, one receives if you listen to the It's You Taz World podcast. So I do need to text Steve. I hope he's having fun. I'm sure that I've seen some photos of the wedding. It looked beautiful. Uh, and uh, the Dominican Republic is, is supposedly beautiful as well. I'm in St. George, so I just want to forewarn some of our listeners. I am working, but, but I do have my, my AirPods in. Uh, it's not the normal setup down in the dungeon of my basement. So if you hear a, a, a blow of uh, some wind, a gust of wind, then that's that's why I'm sitting on the patio enjoying some rays. Uh, Trev, there, there really isn't much news, is there, uh, that have come out that has come out this week? So we're going to do our best to try and dissect some some spring football conversation. I want to get into the quarterbacks, but before we get into spring ball, what uh, what's been keeping you busy? Basketball, I guess, right? Yeah, the running units are playing. Um, they they have, uh, I think, four more games left in their regular season, and then they head into the Pac-12 tournament. They've been up and down. It's been a team that has not been very consistent. They'll beat good teams like Colorado and Arizona, and then they'll lose to teams like Cal and, you know, teams that are more towards the bottom like Washington. And and it, it's just been a very up-and-down year for Larry Kraskoviak. And, you know, the thing is, I know there's a lot of people out there who are wanting him to get fired and – thing is you can't really do that when a buyout is a good chunk of money and that's going to come out of an athletic department budget that lost you know 40 million dollars from because of the pandemic so um i'm i'm not calling for his head i mean i would never do that um but just it's it's hasn't been looking really good it's still a young team though but uh we'll we'll see what happens they've they've got the top two teams in the pac-12 coming to the huntsman center this weekend beginning thursday with ucla and then usc on saturday but then uh, other than that um something else for fans to uh, check out um i did an interview a, a stream a, a live stream with devin lloyd and clark phillips the third 
um, it was on President's Day, and we talked about um, Black History Month. And so uh, if nothing spring football, I was told to not talk about it, which is fine, because that was a very, um, a very important topic to talk about with those guys. And, you know, we didn't really need, need to talk about football. It was February and, you know, we're gearing up for spring ball. But the thing is, we don't know when it's going to start. Uh, we haven't right. gotten the dates yet. We can only speculate that it'd be sometime in March and that the spring game would be about the second weekend in April. But as of right now, we don't know. So we're kind of sitting in the dark, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I will, uh, I'll give you kudos to that interview with Devin Lloyd and, um, and Clark Phillips. It was, it was fascinating. It was fun. Uh, it was informative and, and educational. So if you haven't heard that, go to Castle Sports Facebook page. Is it on our Twitter page as well, Trev? Uh, yes. It, yeah. It, it went on, on Periscope on YouTube and Facebook. There you go. Okay. So all three platforms, just head on over. Or go see the write-up at, at, at carcelsports.com. There is actually, Trev, before we get to spring ball quickly, there is something worth chatting about, and Steve and I spoke about this a few weeks ago now, but the NCAA officially announced that they are going to extend their dead period or their, their, their recruiting dead period, yep. uh, I should say, until uh, May, if I'm not mistaken, right? Is it yep, May 4th? Or oh, the end of May, there you go. So, um and so that's interesting. That essentially means that coaches cannot go on the road. They cannot have, they cannot have uh, recruits on campus until May, which is a lot longer than... But I do understand, and I do think it's worth noting that, look, you've got teams like Weber State, for example, who's about to, this weekend, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, start their 2020 season, which sounds awfully strange to say, their spring season. And then you've got teams like Utah, who, who obviously played during the fall of last year and, and, and they're hoping to get a spring ball in. So it would be somewhat unfair if the recruiting uh, period was open for business when some teams are in the middle of a season, some teams aren't and have more time to recruit. So look, I understand. I get it. It, it does make sense. Uh, and personally, actually, I kind of agree with, with what the NCAA did there, which is also a weird thing for me to say, but uh, anywho, we move on. Uh, what are you most looking forward to when it comes to spring ball, Trev? What are, you, what are you itching to feast your eyes on, even though the chances are we won't be allowed to see anything because Utah's gone, gone all weird about that now? Yeah, it's, it's definitely strange. I mean, I remember when we at least used to be able to observe the last 20 minutes of practice, and now it's, it's gone dark even before the pandemic hit. I know people would say, well, you know, there's a worldwide pandemic. Well, before the pandemic hit was the first year that media were not allowed to observe practice at all. Um, which was, was strange and, you know, it, it, it makes it tough, but I do see some points where, you know, they, they had to do it. There was a, a ton of reporters and I wasn't one of them. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happily to say that where they are talking about injuries. And that's something that is a huge thing with Kyle Whittingham is talking about injuries and he'll never talk about it unless it's season ending. And, um, but the thing I'm, I'm really looking forward to the most is uh, three, three things, Tom. One, just getting more reps for that young defense um, and getting some of those early enrollees from the 2021 class, um, some reps, some live reps to be able to get used to the scheme, to get used to the system because when, and to really just be able to focus on football, because as we all know, going into the 2020 season, it was hard because, you know, first they were going to have a season then they weren't going to have a season. Then they were going to play again. And then they had their first two weeks canceled. 
So it, it made it really hard for them to just focus solely on football. And obviously it, it, it led to a, a, a poor start, you know, 0-2. And... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just, you know, of what it, it – just to be able to get that, that young core, especially the secondary. And you're not going to have Nate Ritchie – for this, uh, for, for the next two years, cause he's going to serve a, a church mission. So, um, trying to get other guys in there to get them acclimated to that, to that position. And then on offense, obviously the quarterbacks, the number one thing, um, you know, Jake Bentley's gone. Drew Lisk is gone. Um, and Cam rising's coming off of a pretty big surgery and he's not going to be available in spring ball. So that gives us an opportunity to see what the quarterbacks can do. And if anything, shows how much depth they have at quarterback because, you know, a lot of us think that it's going to be Cam Rising coming in. But if, if some, if Charlie Brewer or, you know, JJ um, plays really well in in spring and fall camp or, you know, Peter Costelli plays really well in camp, then there's a a chance that Cam Rising could be beat out for the job. That is the only thing that, that really hurts Cam by not playing in spring ball. But as long as he's available for fall camp, he still has every opportunity to win the job back, but just, you know, if, if anything, we know that Cam Rising is going to be the quarterback, but how deep is how, how, how big of a drop is it from Cam to the backup quarterback? And then yeah. the, the uh, number three thing is obviously the running backs. I mean, obviously we all knew that there was a big time player in Ty Jordan and obviously tragically passed away on Christmas night, but coming in with TJ Pledger, Chris Curry, uh, Bernard is coming back, and he, you know, I, I really think that he could be a really good running back for Utah. Um, and just seeing how much depth is there, because I mean, right now they have three guys at running back that could, you know, come in and play. But the thing is, is how much depth do you need there? And so, just to get those guys acclimated. Um, Bernard's already been through through that system. It's just Pledger and Curry and just to see how, how they could adjust to, to the new scheme as opposed to LSU or Oklahoma. I, I think, I think you, you're right on. Um, three pretty big positions slash units. Obviously, the defense took, um, took such great leaps and bounds as the season progressed a year ago. And you, you mentioned that the 0-2 start defense looked suspect. Uh, missed assignments, poor tackling, so on and so forth. But as the season continued, it was like they just they just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And next thing you know, Clark Phillips was taking one to the house, or Nate Ritchie was was kind of dropping into the box and and making tackles in the backfield. And these are these are true freshmen that we're talking about. It's like my goodness, they've grown in in a week. It's quite spectacular. Personally, though, Trev, I I think the quarterback position for me is is my main focus and priority entering spring ball. And then, and then, and then a close second is going to be the pass catches, not just the wide receivers, but the tight ends and just any, any pass catcher that Utah has available to them. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see because um, no cam rising means there's, there's, you're going to have to generate some chemistry quickly in spring with, with the likes of Charlie Brewer or, or Jaquin and Jackson. So, that, and that's not easy. It's worth knowing. That, that takes time. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think, I think if either quarterback, and my money would be on Charlie Brewer if I had to put it on anybody, uh, I, I think it, it's going to show a lot 
to the coaching staff, if, if they can come into the, to a system, to a new program and, and, and create chemistry rather quickly with wide receivers or tight ends, I, I think that's going to go a long, long way in helping whoever that quarterback be potentially fight, seriously fight for the starting job with Cam Rising come full Cam. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, I've even heard heard people say that Charlie Brewer just because of all of his, you know, reps at at being a starter for Baylor who, you know, back in 2019 went went to the Sugar Bowl, obviously lost the game, but had a really good year. I think it was 11 wins. Um it didn't it didn't rack up to a conference championship or to even, you know, a Sugar Bowl title, but it, it was still a great year for for Brewer. But people have even said if Cam Rising isn't at all 100% going into fall camp. You think about sitting him a year and starting Charlie Brewer because he is a veteran. Now, obviously, Kyle Whittingham, Andy Ludwig, and company are going to start whoever gives them the best chance to win, whether they're 100% or not. And right now, that is Cam Rising because he, he just beat out a grad transfer SEC quarterback, given Bentley just never added up to, to much um compared to what he was at South Carolina but for him to be able to come in and you know beat them but uh, you know a lot of and people haven't really talked about this as much and Kyle Whittingham brought this up in in uh fall camp of 2020 Cam Rising made the most strides because he he was on the uh, scout team in 2019 because he wasn't eligible to play after transferring from Texas but he was going up against Bradley and I like he to John Penasini um he was going up against Jalen Johnson, Terrell Burgess, Tariq Lewis, um, Julian Blackman. And that you're, you're either going to fold like a beach chair or you're going to be a dang good quarterback after going through that gauntlet week in and week out. And so for him to be able to get that type of experience is something that, you know, it, it's really hard to simulate um, talent on, on, on scout team, right, Tom? Because normally, you know, you, you don't have a defense that, that is that stout where seven of those guys were drafted. And, you know, so that, that to me is, is a big thing, but I, I will also say, Tom, and I would, I would love to get your, your thoughts on this with the whole pandemic happening and where Utah's situation was where they had every single person, except for two guys back or new on defense. And you're bringing in a new quarterback and a new running back and all that stuff. I think that the pandemic benefited Utah the most because this kind of gave them the opportunity. It was, it was, you know, a throwaway year, if you will, because everybody doesn't lose a year of, of uh, eligibility. But for them to be able to develop the way that that they did and to get live game reps, and you that that is going to be the biggest progress for any player in any sport is getting live reps. So I, I feel like that Utah benefited the most out of any team in college football by this pandemic. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you um, because if if we were to go back a few months to when Utah was playing, or, or just when college football was playing for that matter, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if this was everybody, Trev, but but it was certainly I certainly felt this way, and, and I know a number of my friends also felt this way. Is you'd sit down, you'd watch a game, and, and don't get me wrong, I was entertained and, and I enjoyed it, but it just it, it just wasn't the same. It was like there was. There were, there, were, there were other things in the world that were more important that were happening at the same time. 
that a lot of attention was being focused on, both from a media standpoint, but also I think in, in people's personal lives as well. They were fixated on certain subject matters that that were quite quite relevant and and obviously pretty uh, pretty meaningful. So yeah, I I would think like the game of college football a year ago just didn't quite have the same didn't have the same energy to it. And maybe that's because the stands weren't packed. I, I don't know. Maybe it was because of some of the other life lessons that was that were going on at the time. I, I, I don't know the answer to you, but it just, yeah, it didn't feel like the old college football, you know? Um, and so, yeah, for sure. I think if you were, if you were going to have a younger team, that was probably going to be, yeah. It was also, it's also, was like, there were, there were weeks where Utah didn't even play. You know, remember that stretch of like two, three weeks where Utah couldn't even get a game because of COVID issues. So, yep. You know, it's like if you had a really, really good team and you couldn't get games because you had some some COVID issues going on internally. I mean, the frustration that that would have that would have kind of triggered, if you will, um, that would have been painful. So I, I agree. I think I think Utah did a good job of, of of making the most out of it. One, but also getting their new guys prepared for the years ahead of them. And, and yes, it'll be sad that Nate Ritchie isn't isn't there. Uh, but he'll be he'll be back at some point, and hopefully he'll kind of he'll kind of uh, return in stride, if you will. You mentioned something interesting, Trev. I, I wanted to touch on this because I had thoughts, and then I'd love to hear your opinion. So, and this may be this may be outrageous. I, I don't know, but you said you know if cam if cam rising isn't healthy, do you do you give him a medical red shirt and start Charlie Brewer because he's only got one year left anyway, and he's played and got four years of experience in the college game and. And and I think on paper that's that's not a bad thought, um, but I I I put a decent amount of, of of emphasis on like chemistry and creating chemistry. And I think one of the reasons Cam beat out um, Bentley a year ago was because he he's just more familiar with the locker room, more familiar with the playbook, more familiar with the way his wide receivers run their routes, and they're more familiar with how he throws the football. And so I think. That was part of the reason Andy Ludwig and Carl Whittingham decided to go with, with, uh, with Rising to start the year. And I think another great example of that, and again, this is where my, my statement could get a tad outrageous, but I think if we were to change sports for a second, and by no means am I a basketball expert, but I do enjoy the game. Yeah. If you look at Mike Conley from the Utah Jazz in 2021, uh, sorry, if you look at him in, a year ago in 2020 and then you watch him a year, in, in today's game, I mean, two completely different players, it Absolutely. seems. Yeah. And, and I don't think anybody was doubting that Mike Conley was a bad basketball player when he first arrived to Utah. I think he had proven his worth and his value in Memphis over the well, 12 seasons or however long years. he was there. Um, but there was certainly something missing. And, and the only the only reason that I can think of, and I was speaking about this the other, I think it was last night or the night before when the Lakers were, were, were in town. Um, we were having this same, same conversation. And I said, well, I, I think it has to do with just chemistry and familiarity and, and all of the above. I, I would argue, Trev, that, that Mike Conley is, is a better basketball player in today's in today's game, a year, two years into his role at Utah, simply because he understands the system, he understands how the coaches work, he understands everything better. And I would, I would transition all of that into kind of the quarterback at the helm of a football team. Now, I guess 
now that I think about it, the answer to that would be, well, Tom Brady didn't, didn't really, you know, flinch, did he? He just come, came to Tampa and won the Super Bowl. So yeah, maybe I've much. maybe I've gone maybe I'm I'm, I'm stretching here, but no. it's an interesting it, it really is an interesting subject and one that I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. Well, I I would say that you're absolutely right when it comes to that. As far as chemistry, getting that Mike Conley is a great example because you nailed it. 2020, he was he was okay. Um, he was good enough to get you some wins, but he was still learning the system. He was still getting his form down. And, and even in, you know, the bubble, he did a lot better. And then he's taken it to another level where I feel like he should have been named an all-star um, over Devin Booker yeah, just because of how well he's played. But to going back to football, people would, would then say, well, why would, what, what is the difference between Charlie Brewer and Jake Bentley? Well, I'll tell you what's the difference between Charlie Brewer and Jake Bentley. One thing stands out above the rest and it's winning. The most important thing is winning. Jake Bentley wasn't much of a winner when he was at South Carolina. Um, what was his record? I'm actually going to look right now. What was that Vince Lombardi quote? Life isn't all about winning. It is everything. Yeah, yeah, it's everything. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so in Bentley's first year in 2016, they went six and seven, three and five in conference play. In 2017, it was actually a pretty good year. Nine and four, five and three in conference play. And that was where Bentley was still the starter. In 2018, playing in the SEC. Playing in the SEC. I think we need to remember that as well. Yeah, on top of that. And then Bentley was starting again in 2018. They went seven and six, four and four in conference. And then in 2019, he ended up suffering a injury, season ending injury in his in, in the season opener. Yeah. And they went four and eight that year, three and five in conference play. Right. And that was what led to Will Muschamp getting the boot. Um, or no, sorry, 2020. Yeah. Okay. So Will, Will Muschamp got fired during the 2020 season. So gotcha. Bentley wasn't there. I mean, you know, again, it is the SEC compared to the, compared to the big 12. The, obviously the, the big 12 does not add up to what the SEC is. Cause they have Alabama, they have LSU, yeah. they have all of those those schools the big 12 has oklahoma oklahoma state texas all of that but the fact that he you know played under a coach who ultimately went to coach in the nfl in matt rule i really think says something um and he is more of an offensive-minded coach anyway and i just feel like that charlie brewer has more experience at at playing at a higher level than what Jake Bentley did. I know Jake Bentley threw for what, four or 500 yards against Clemson, which is insane because Clemson's defenses are always good. No, but, but that's, it's more than insane now that he's been to Utah. And, and he seeing couldn't of, throw of what a he five does yard... against the Pac-12. Trev, he couldn't, Bentley couldn't throw a five-yard flat route against... To a wide-open tight end in the end zone? I know. There's you know been what about I mean? three like, of those in one game. He couldn't throw a go. He couldn't throw a fade. He couldn't, like... There were times where you were just like, what? Like, how? How did he miss him that bad? And, and then bring in Drew List when you're down 28-7 against Washington State. And, you and Drew winning. List leads you back. I mean, he didn't have to do anything flashy. He didn't and do it. He threw the check down. He went full Alex Smith. That's all you need to do, right? It worked, right? No, I, I'm, not, I'm not bashing on him for doing it. I mean, whatever it takes. But 
I mean, it's just mind-boggling that Jake Bentley threw for five five hundred plus yards against Clemson. That is then, nuts. But then came to Utah and and took on much worse defenses. Let's be frank, Arizona's Arizona's. I mean, whatever, whoever it was, like. And he couldn't even throw a, a, a simple fade route to a tight end that had 10 yards of separation. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, but I well, guess we, we must. Well, and not that. only that, but Bentley threw for 7,500 yards while at South Carolina. Brewer threw for 9,000. Okay. Well, that's, that's pretty nice, I guess. But Look, Gavin, Baylor was not good in 2020. But, yeah. I mean, you're even looking at it and, you know, there, there were actually teams who we actually thought were going to be really, really good in college football in 2020. Just didn't add up to be. And I, I think we chalk it up as just, you know, the, the pandemic being a crazy thing. And even in college basketball, like where Duke and North Carolina both sucked the same year. I mean, who would have ever thought that? Where Duke might not make the NCAA tournament for the first time in like 20 years. And it happens to be a year in the middle of a pandemic. I think, I think the Jake Bentley story is a great is a great story and a great example of why the game of college football is so popular and, and that that's because and I've I've asked coach Whittingham this before I've spoken to other coaches and asked them the same question I say coach does it make you nervous that your livelihood you know is is essentially in the palms of 18 and 19 and 20 year old kids like like, like, if you think about it for a second, it's such a big business nowadays. And the fans, like, 100,000-seat stadiums, even Rice-Eccles at 46-odd thousand, which is so many people when you think what about did, it. What did, what did Kyle say when you asked him that? He didn't really know how to answer it, I don't think. It, it's yes. It, it is very nerve-wracking. Which to... would tell me that, yeah, he's petrified. Because, but obviously... But, Tom, you even know Utah hasn't had a great tradition of quarterbacks compared to running backs. I mean, they have had good quarterbacks, Scott Mitchell, Brian Johnson, Alex Smith, all of that. But Tyler Huntley kind of was the the best quarterback in the uh, Pac-12 era in just one year of, of playing yeah. really well. And, you know, he, he, he had to develop. But Kyle Whittingham no, hung his hat on defense, and it's always worked. I, I, I know. I think he's – I think he's a great coach. Uh, he'll go down as one of the best, maybe the best to ever do it at Utah. But, but at the same time, I am uh, – sorry, the, uh, can you hear that? The in-laws are just coming outside to go to the pool. So I guess that's me coming back inside. Uh, what I was getting at, though, is the reason college football fans love the game as much as they do is because it's so unpredictable. I mean, like like Jake Bentley, I can guarantee you if you showed – the South Carolina fan, some footage from Bentley at Utah, they wouldn't recognize him because mm-hmm. he would not have gotten 33 consecutive starts or whatever it was at an SEC school throwing the football in the same manner that he did at Utah. There's no way. He just, he just wasn't, he wasn't up for it. But, but you know, of what, of what made Tyler Huntley great in his senior year, even though he didn't need to throw the ball that much, he made the most out of all of the throws that he had the opportunity to make. And that was what led to him being top five in the country in completion percentage is because, yeah, he wouldn't throw the ball 50 times a game or, heck, even 30 times a game. 
but every single time he threw the ball, he made sure that it was going to be a good one. And I felt like that that was something that Jake Bentley didn't do. But I also felt like that, that the offensive line, it took them a little bit longer to, to get up to speed. So, you know, the first couple of games where he was missing those open throws, he didn't, he didn't have time. But towards the end of the season, the O-line really came together and he still couldn't make those open throws because he would go through his reads too fast or, you know, just for whatever reason. Maybe yeah. something going on between the years. But um, all in all, I, I think that Charlie Brewer is – and I, I, I don't want to say this to diminish what Jake Bentley's done because I hope he, does, I hope he has a great career um, at, at South Alabama or wherever he went. I can't remember where he went, honestly. Um, but I, I feel like that Charlie Brewer, as far as a transfer quarterback, is an upgrade to Jake Bentley. Yeah. I, I, look, I hope so. And then – and then a lot of the conversation surrounding uh, the Charlie Brewer and very little is is being placed on, of course, uh, Jaquindon Jackson, the the transfer from Texas. Um, I saw Trev. I saw photos of him that I think uh, must have been Utah football uploaded to to Twitter. Mm-hmm. He is a big boy. I mean that. Yeah, he is big. Yeah, he doesn't look like a. He's not. He's not your your, your quintessential quarterback. He also frame. could be a running back or a linebacker. Yeah, he could look like a linebacker to me. I mean, he is broad. He's got to be sitting at about 230 pounds, roughly, which is which is fine if he can run, and he can run effectively at 230 as a quarterback and throw the football. Well, then. heck, Tyler ha- had, had to throw on weight uh, going into a senior. Remember, the kid was a twig. Yeah. A no, junior, no, he, and then he threw on some, I think, what, 25 pounds going into a senior year? Yeah, Tyler, Hunt, Tyler Huntley struggled with weight for the majority of his season, and, in fact, it's one of the reasons I I believe, anyway, he was – so susceptible to injury mm-hmm. throughout his exactly, time. He yep. just, he couldn't take the shots, but Jaquin Jackson does not have that issue. So I, he, I guess while we're talking about spring ball, we should bring up Jackson because he's an interesting story that the rumors I've heard, and I, I can't fact check this, so please take it with a grain of salt is one of the reasons he transferred from Texas was because they were considering uh, changing positions, changing positions for him. I don't know mm-hmm. what position they wanted to change him to. Again, um, none of this could be true. This is just kind of what I've been told, and this is a podcast, and this is where this stuff needs to belong. Um, and he didn't want that. He wanted to play quarterback, which is why he decided to transfer, and that's how he ended up coming to Utah. So if, if they did want to change positions to him, I do wonder, you know, is he capable of throwing the football? Uh, because I was around when Chase Hansen was once quarterback. And uh, let me tell you, I love Chase. Uh, I love his style in underpants. He always is wearing very colorful underpants. But boy, he could not throw a football tread to save himself. It was duck hunting season 24-7, 365 with Chase Hansen. But that was at QB1. the college level, right? He was a great quarterback at Lone Peak. Well, so was Britton Covey, but yeah, uh, and Britton Covey was tiny. It is, is tiny. Tim View operated the two running back system. There was no such thing as a quarterback when Britton Covey was there. So exactly. I guess, yeah, I, I, as much as I'm excited for Charlie Brew, I do want to see what what Jackson's capable of of doing as well. Because if he can throw the football, you know, Utah may have picked somebody up that um, that's very, very, very valuable. Uh, and I'm also I'm also fascinated to hit, to see if Utah, and again, we won't find out this for, for some time, but, and I think you and I have actually spoken about this in the past, Trev, but could Jackson be that short yardage threat in the backfield? Could he come in short yardage and, 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 and potentially throw the football, but also run the football? Because let's, frank, let's be frank, Utah 
last year, one of their biggest, biggest downfalls was, was not being able to, to complete third and short. They, they got stuffed. They got stuffed fourth and or short. Second number of times. and short, third and short, fourth and short. And yeah, I am talking about the Oregon state game. Um, but you know, just to talk about Jackson, I, I feel like he, he already has the weight to, to keep playing. I mean, he doesn't have to put on any, he doesn't have to lose any. I don't, I don't think. And I, I've, I've, I've seen some of his film and again, take it for what it's worth playing at the high school level. I mean, you're going to be pretty good if, if, you know, you're a four-star guy, um, you're going to have a, a really good career and, you know, you're going to, you're going to look like an NFL type quarterback playing in, in high school, but how does that translate to the PAC 12 or to, you know, any power five school? Um, from what I've heard, his, his throwing is, is hard. Like he throws darts, but the accuracy we're not sure about yet. Um, I've also heard that he's a one hell of a runner and obviously that helps with his size. Um, and obviously if he were to change positions, which as you mentioned, is not something he would want to do. Kyle Whittingham's first thing would throw him on defense and put him at either linebacker or safety. Which by um, the way is a pretty easy sell at this point. Like yeah. I understand that if you, you want to go to the league, switch over to defense. Yeah. You want to set your family up you, you, for generations. Okay. Because the yeah. last quarterback from Utah to get drafted was Alex Smith. Yeah. To get drafted. I know Tyler yeah. Huntley's in the league, but he didn't get drafted. Right. So, but that, how many guys on defense have gotten drafted compared to offensive players? Offensive yeah. guys, it, it, it's crazy. But he, from what I heard, he he is going to be more of a project, a guy down the line where maybe he and Peter Costelli battle it out in, in, in you know a couple of years for that starting job. Yeah, I guess we we we, we can't we can't not. You already go. ruffled some feathers anyway. I know that well, with Peter the whole Costelli? Peter Costelli and Jackson oh, let, Dart. Let me tell you, I'm I'm I've got my fingers crossed that Jackson Dart goes bloody haywire for USC, and I can just shove it to everybody that gave me hell for about a week. There, uh, I joke, I joke, just relax. Uh, I will, I will actually say though, because I have, I, I am one of those people who went back and read the comments that, that that were bashing Tom. Tom was not talking about all all you know that Peter Costello was going to come in and be the starting quarterback right away. He was talking about recruits out of high school. Those guys are transfers. That's different. But you know the Utes didn't didn't get. You better dart. be careful. You're good, but you're about to get bloody murdered on on Twitter here soon. Uh, no, I'm I'm just saying. Tom was talking about that to where it was it was Peter Costelli was the one that that the Utah put all their eggs in as far as in, in the basket of trying to get him to come to Utah compared to Jackson Dart it has nothing to do with Cam Rising, Jaquindon Jackson, or Charlie Brewer. Because those guys are all transfers. They all I, play to previous universities. I consider transfer targets and high school targets two completely different. They are. Because baskets. they have experience being a transfer, whether they played or not. They've they've been through a college football season. I tell you of, what, I, I tell you whether what that they ex- played or not. I tell you what that experience reminded me of. Uh, and this will be brief and we'll wrap things up and let everybody get on their merry way. But what that experience reminded me of was uh, people, people, most people don't click on the article. They read the headline, exactly. which is a big mistake. Can I just tell you, because as somebody that works in the media and of course, Trevor, you do the same thing. The headline is 
is like our little ploy to lure you into the to the article you're not meant you're meant to get a general gist of the of the the detail within the piece but by all means it's meant to be like oh that looks interesting let me click on that so if you're just reading headlines people you're going to find yourself upset at a lot of things uh click on the link read the story and then come back to me i digress trev you're a good sport. Thank you for doing this on short notice. If people out there don't know or follow you, uh, Trevor A Sports, at Trevor A Sports is where you can find Trev on Twitter. You should also check out his Utah uh, football and basketball. I'll have you know, if you're a Utah basketball fan, you need to follow and listen to the Crimson World, uh, sorry, Crimson Corner podcast. That would be if we were to put our podcast together, the Crimson World podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I said, I'm I'm working in St. George. I feel like I'm on vacation. But um, by the way, how how warm is it down there? I can tell you. What is it today? It's been seventy this week. Oh, it it just. I I woke up today and it was twenty nine degrees and it snowed yesterday and it's cold here, Tom. It snowed up there yesterday. George. Huh? It snowed up there yesterday. Yeah, it was only an inch though. Okay. And it already and it already melted away. So it's 55 degrees today, so it's a little on the chillier side. But you, um, your, your family's still going in the pool? Oh, we got a hot tub, dude. We're good. We're chilling. Uh, we got a fire pit. We're laughing. I'm jealous. Airbnb. I'm We're jealous. I, 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 need to go, I need to get out of town. You do, dude. Um, but Crimson Corner Podcast, in all seriousness, go check that out. Nate Wade Subaru is our sponsor, 1207 South Main Street. Without them, this podcast would not be possible. So we love them. We thank them. And we also appreciate all of our listeners. Until next week. We say so long goodbye. Thanks, Trev. Thanks, Tommy. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.